0: We see the world through everything is bad because of this group of people or that group of people, and depending on which news sources you watch, you'll find out who the bad people are. And it's a way to view the world And you keep receiving that And eventually you see the world Through the script that you have inherited And I'm here to tell you my friends This book is an alternative script It's another way to see the world And the way to see the world Is from the vantage point of there is a God And this is how God works
1: How do you know who God is? Read the Bible How do you find out his plans for the future? Read the Bible where can you find comfort? Read the Bible. Everything you need to know is in there. How to connect with God, how to know His will, how to find peace. Pastor Daniel urges you today to make Scripture reading and application part of your daily routine. And not just part of your routine, but part of who you are. Be a man or woman of the Word. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Daniel chapter 7 as he begins his message, How to cope. Jesus is-
0: So coping is something that all of us are perpetually trying to do. I mean, we're in this series that's called friction, right? And the problem with friction, of course, is there's friction, right? It's like there's something that's happening and it's rubbing together and it's creating conflict and it creates tension. And I think all of us feel that. And so coping is us and our ability to figure out how do we walk through life and succeed in the midst of difficulty in this friction and it's something that all of us every single one of us is working on something that we're trying to figure out and so what if i told you that the bible actually prescribes to us how we can cope with the tensions and difficulties of our lives What if I told you that there is a way for each one of us to be able to not just survive the friction of life, but to thrive in the midst of that friction? What if I told you that God doesn't want us just to white knuckle life, but he has prescriptions and plans for each one of us that we might know that this is the way to cope with life in a way that we can blossom? Wouldn't that sound amazing? Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay. So for one person who's excited about that, this sermon is just for you. And what I will say is all the rest of us are excited that you are excited because we all want to figure this out as well, right? And we want to figure out how do we live and make it through this thing. And so I've called this message, How to Cope. And what's beautiful is we've seen all through the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel thriving in Babylon. We've seen him blessed. We've seen him growing. We've seen him being used by God. We see him being unashamed to be who he is, to walk out his faith in a pagan culture and seeing that culture validate this guy's walk, saying this is a man of integrity. This is a man of an excellent spirit. But how did he do it? I'm going to show it to you. Open up in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. We're taking verses 1 to 23 today. So grab your Bibles, open them up, or open up your smart device, your decently intelligent device, your whatever. Type in Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 to 23. And literally, there's going to be four steps with how to cope with the friction of the world in which we live in. And I'll be honest with you, just putting this message together has really blessed me. It's really spoken to me personally. As just a follower of Jesus, as, not only as a pastor, but just as a person in this world. I told my bride Lynn this morning, I said, I'm so excited to share this message because it's ministered to me so much as I've prepared it for you. So Daniel chapter 9, picking up in verse 1, it says this, it says... In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. The first step in how to cope, my friends, is that the word should lead to prayer. The word leads to prayer. Notice what Daniel is doing here. He gives us the timestamp, right? He says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Now, most scholars would place this at about 539 or 538 B.C. So, in this first year, the Babylonian Empire is ended, and now the Medo-Persian Empire is there. It says, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, verse 2, understood by the books... The number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So Daniel is reading the word. He's meditating on what's in the scriptures and specifically what has been written in the prophet Jeremiah. I want to read to you two different sections. First, Jeremiah chapter 25 verses 8 to 12 says this says, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, says the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land, against the inhabitants and against these nations all around, and will utterly destroy them. And make them an astonishment, a hissing, and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of myrrh, and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones, and the light of the lamp. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. See, in this first passage, what we find is that because the children of Israel had rebelled against the Lord, because they did not follow God's word, God's plan was to bring Nebuchadnezzar down and to conquer Jerusalem. And for 70 years, they were going to stay there in exile. Now, if you read in other places in the scriptures, what you also find is that 70 years is also tied to the land Sabbath. That they were supposed to work the land for six years and let it rest on the seventh year right now I don't know a lot about agriculture but what I do know is that when you lay a field fallow it refertilizes itself it gets stronger again so that it can be even more fruitful but the bigger story for the children of Israel and for us is that this idea of the Sabbath what it does is it actually makes us realize that we're here to trust God and not trust the land right and so by God's saying, I want you to work the land for six years. On the seventh year, I want you to let it sit. You're saying, God, I'm going to trust that in the sixth year, you're going to give us the double. So that we can cover the seventh year. In the same thing, working six days and taking the seventh day off, that idea of the Sabbath day. It's a reminder that the reason this is here is so that we realize that God is the one who provides, not the land, not the work. It's God. And the children of Israel didn't do it for 490 years. And they owed God 70 years of land Sabbaths. So they get 70 years. Now, listen to Jeremiah 29, verses 10 and 11. Another one of Jeremiah's prophecies. It says this. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. Now, everyone knows verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. People love to quote that, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. But people forget that that is tagged on to you will be in exile in Babylon for 70 years and then I'm going to return you to your land. And that's powerful, isn't it? See, Daniel has been reading this. Now, at the time of the first year of Darius the Mede, Daniel will have been in Babylon about 67 years. So Daniel's reading the word... And as he's reading the word, it is leading him to prayer. Now, you want to know how to cope with the friction of the world that we live in on what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and what does it mean to live in this world and thrive? You need to be in the word first, and then you need to let the word lead you to prayer. You need to be in the word. Now, you got to ask yourself this are you in the word? Are you in the word? Are you the kind of person who every single day, like Jesus said, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God? Are you a person who daily feeds upon the word of God? Why do you need the word? Because the word gives us an alternative script to view the world in. That's what the word does. It gives you another interpretation of the way you should look at your life. And you have to realize that every single one of us lives by a script. And some of the scripts we inherited from our parents, some are the things that we learn through life, and other is the way other people see the world and they impose it upon us. That's why what you consume via media is so important. Because what you consume via media actually is giving you a new script to see the world through. And sometimes it's, we see the world through, everything is bad because of this group of people or that group of people, and depending on which news sources you watch, you'll find out who the bad people are. And it's a way to view the world. And you keep receiving that. And eventually you see the world through the script that you have inherited. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, this book is an alternative script. It's another way to see the world. And the way to see the world is from the vantage point of there is a God. And this is how God works. And what you begin to realize for Daniel... They had been in Babylon for 70 years. If they would have read the book of Deuteronomy and practiced what they read, they would have never been in Babylon. But because of their rebellion, now they're experiencing the cursings that God said would happen if they rebelled against him. And you know, saying, but God wasn't only interested in bringing the natural effects of the rebellion against us, but God is actually a redeeming God and a reconciling God. And although there is a season of exile, God wants to bring us back. And when I read the word, I learn that God had a plan in that. Doesn't that change the way you look at your sufferings? Doesn't that change the way you look at the hardships that you have? If all of a sudden you begin to realize, I have hardship, And certain aspects of this hardship is derived from my decisions. But God is a good God and God can leverage He can leverage this bad situation to bring something good. I mean, think about it. We've been studying the book of Daniel. We would not have these encouraging stories had it not been for the children of Israel being in Babylon. Think about over thousands of years of Christianity, how many people have been encouraged by the testimony of Daniel, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's one of the ways God can redeem a struggle. So first, are you a person of the word? Listen, you might be like, Fusco, give us a break. I mean, we're here at Crossroads. We're either, you know, here in Vancouver, we're in Southwest Portland, or, you know, we're online, so we're in the word. No, no, you don't only want to eat one meal a week. And you're like, well, I go to midweek too. You don't only want to eat two meals a week. Three meals a day, my friends. Now you guys know I like food. I'm not interested in skipping meals unless there's a good reason, Right? Are you feasting on the Word of God? The prophet Jeremiah said, Your Word was found by me, O Lord, and I did eat it, and it became unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Brothers and sisters, we need to be people of the Word of God. But not only people of the Word, but we need to let the Word lead us to prayer. See, Daniel reads this and then it says in verse three, then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting sackcloth and ashes. See, Daniel reads the word and it pushes him into prayer. See, and I want to encourage you, don't just read the word of God. If you're not reading it, you need to start reading it. If you are reading it, let the word lead you to prayer. Read the word and then let what you read drive you to pray. That's how God designed it. So you say, Lord, your word says this. And Lord, will you do this in my life? Lord, your word says this. Will you do this in my loved one's lives? Will you fix a broken world? Are you letting your time in God's word drive you to prayer? I even pray right now as you're hearing this message. That as God is speaking to you, you would instantaneously be praying, saying, Oh, Lord, will you let that be part of my life? Oh, Lord, will you do that work in someone else's life? Lord, will you reach the unreached people in our community through television? See, we want to turn what we're hearing, we want to turn it up to the Lord in prayer. And that's exactly what Daniel does. And you're going to see that Daniel's experience, the word leading to prayer, is going to have some very, very powerful implications for us. So we let the word lead to prayer. Now, notice... He sets his face toward the Lord God To make requests by prayer And supplications Which are specific prayer, Specific requests With fasting So now Daniel's not eating So he can be set apart from the Lord He's wearing sackcloth Which was uh, uncomfortable clothing And ashes where you put dirt on your head All of this The fasting sackcloth and ashes Were evidence of mourning Grief And repentance That's what they were. They were outward signs of a posture of the heart that says, God, we need you. And so look at how he prays in verse four. It says this. And I prayed to the Lord, my God, and I made confession and said, Oh, Lord. Great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and we rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, verse 7, righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of faith. As it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off, in all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes and our fathers because we have sinned against you, to you The Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness Though we have rebelled against Him We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God To walk in His laws Which He set before us by His servants, the prophets Yes, all Israel has transgressed Your law And departed so as not to obey Your voice Therefore, the curse and the oath Written in the law of Moses, the servant of God Has been poured out on us Because we have sinned against Him And He has confirmed His words which he spoke against us and against our judges who judge us by bringing upon us a great disaster for under the whole heaven, such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind. And brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does. Though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God. Who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. And made yourself a name. As it is this day. We have sinned. We have done wickedly. My friends, you want a way to cope with the friction of this world. My friends, you have to always remember. That confession is good for the soul. Confession is. Is good for the soul As I like to say That confession is good for the soul It's not always the best for our reputations though See, we, confession, that word literally means to say the same thing as. And what Daniel does in his prayer, the word is a prayer, and it's a prayer of confession. He confesses the sins of the children of Israel. He confesses to the Lord what God already knows about the children of Israel. But he's willing to say, this is my part in it, God. And let's be honest, confession is hard to do, isn't it? I mean, when was the last time you really enjoyed sharing with somebody all the mistakes that you've made? Now, I know some of you who are Christians, you love like the testimony that's like a bragamony. Like I was this bad sinner and I tell you all the stories and I got to get some sick enjoyment out of going through all the horrible things I did. But in the moment when things are bad, to be able to say, hey, I'm going to own my part of this. Is that easy? It's hard, but it's good for the soul. And see, Daniel explains to God what God already knows. He says, God, you were right to send us here. Because we did not honor you. We've sinned in verse 5. we committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and we've rebelled. Even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither we've heeded your servants, the prophets. Verse 6, who spoke in your name for our kings and our princes and our fathers and all the people of the land. Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face as it is this day. He's saying, God, we screwed up, God. And guess what? Had they screwed up? Absolutely. They'd made colossal mistakes. That's why they were in Babylon in the first place. See, one of the things that... Creates even more friction in the day and age in which we live is that for many of us, we are terrible at owning our own mistakes. We're always looking for someone to blame. So it's this person's fault, right? It's the blame game. When did the blame game get invented? The Garden of Eden. That's right. First time, first mistake was made, guess what? Everyone blames somebody else. And since the Garden of Eden, all of us struggle with the blame game. But Daniel says, no, 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 I'm going to confess. That the sins of my people have brought us here And God wasn't wrong to do that When was the last time That you owned your part Of the friction of your own life Now what's beautiful here Is Daniel's confessing to the Lord But you also find a number of scriptures About confessing to other people Like listen to Proverbs Chapter 28 verse 30 I'm going to give you three scriptures on confession In a row but if you do a word search on the word confession, there's all sorts of amazing things in the Bible about this. This is what it says, Proverbs twenty eight thirteen He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness And then James five sixteen, Confess your trespasses to one another And pray for one another That you may be healed The effective fervent prayer of the righteous man Avails much Now, notice what it says It says, first If you cover your sin, you will not prosper. Why? Because when you cover your sin, it means you plan on continuing in your sin. And when you continue in your sin, then you will not prosper. But if you confess your sin, then there's wisdom, right? It says that if we confess, that if we say we have no sin, we're a liar, we don't practice the truth. And if we confess to the Lord, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now listen, people all the time say, well, I don't want to believe in Christianity because why do I want to say that I'm a sinner? Because you are That's why It's like a sinner is somebody Who has missed the mark Now you might say well missing the mark isn't that big It's huge because God's a perfect God And God holds you and I accountable for our lives But see when we confess To God that we've sinned God's like I know and that's why I sent Jesus To die on a cross for your sins So if you're a follower of Jesus here today, you should never worry about confessing your sins. Why? Because God sent Jesus because He knows that you're a sinner and He loves you still. See, your sin, it separates you from God, but it doesn't cause God to stop loving you. Like if your kids do something wrong, my kids never do anything wrong. But if your kids did something wrong, you know what I mean? Like... You don't stop loving them when they do something wrong. You might want to brain them three or four times, but you don't stop loving them. You love them, but you
1: want to kill them. Jesus is real. Getting to know the Lord in a deeper way will also reveal more and more in you and will bring to light the sins that are holding you hostage. Pastor Daniel reminded you today of the blessing of reading the Word of God, as well as the grace that exists when you confess your sins. Confession and repentance are mentioned throughout the Bible. They're a decision you make and actions you take to remove those harmful habits from your life. All of that will bring you even closer to the Lord. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're
0: a listener of Jesus Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us.
1: Tune in again as Pastor Daniel continues to talk about the blessing that comes from confession. Are you living in shame because of some sin? Or do you think that the pain of owning up to it will be worse than dealing with the guilt? It's simply not true. God is compassionate and is ready to flood you with grace as He helps you break free. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Friction. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.